Hi, this is Jim Robbins, author of Recover Your Good Heart, and you are listening to the audio post version of my recent blog post titled Wounded by Accusation. And in this blog post, I include several of my past blog posts that particularly speak to those who find themselves wounded by accusation, or in some cases are highly sensitive and, and as introverts, have a particular susceptibility to being wounded by accusation. The first post is called Generalized Accusation Disorder, and it's my story. I couldn't shake the feeling that I'd done something wrong. My parents had taken my sister and I on a cross-country trip during our junior high years, but I felt chronically guilty for much of it. I remember driving along a West Virginia highway in our rental car, feeling like the principal had caught me smoking in the bathroom. But I had done nothing wrong. There was no sinful choice or shameful act to point to. My hypersensitive conscience was creating a smear campaign designed to discredit my integrity. A higher susceptibility to guilt and remorse can also be one of the characteristics of a highly sensitive or high reactive person. I was being forced to take the stand in the absence of any proof or guilt. In fact, if you asked my parents, they would have agreed. No, Jim didn't do anything wrong. I'm not sure why he would think that. The truth was, even the most staunch Southern Baptist could have examined my motives and actions then and found nothing immoral. But I was convinced there was something I'd done wrong. During the months we traveled across country, the oppressive guilt remained like a hall monitor scanning the halls for the wayward student. What I call generalized accusation disorder, this entrenched and unjustified belief that I was guilty of something, anything, stole my childhood joy in those long months. I'll never get that back. Accusation is designed to disable. Accusation will disable a person more quickly than almost anything else. It's no wonder the enemy of our heart favors it as his preferable toxin. Even in my late forties now, I'll experience a similar sensation when watching a crime drama. I'll hear this message, that's where you'll wind up some day, Jim. Just like the man who compromised his integrity one too many times. Some day you'll cross that threshold as well, and the iron bars will slam shut behind you. Or that vicarious guilt I feel when a close friend gets divorced because he shattered his family through an affair that neither he nor we saw coming. Jim, what makes you think you're stronger than your own friend? Why would you be able to resist sexual temptation when he couldn't? Accusation's deceptive voice. Accusation will disable the truth about your good and noble heart faster than anything else. Why? Because it comes disguised as humility and a contrite heart. Accusation wants you to believe that, therefore, by the grace of God, go I. Accusation creates suspicion. Is your heart really as noble as you think it is? Are you really a new creation possessed by the goodness of God? Accusation masquerades as healthy remorse or good guilt. Though healthy remorse and repentance are often truly helpful, accusation is a trick of deception. Its message? Your heart is the problem. There is more than the act of sin here, because there is the condition of sinfulness. Quote, it is a lie. Your enemy will even have you believe it is the Spirit's own voice of conviction. 
Even if you sinned, generalized ac accusation disorder will have you camp there in the mess, rather than celebrate a new God-given purity and noble goodness waiting to be released from your new heart. Trust the goodness of your God-given new heart. Your heart is now your ally, not your enemy. The book I wrote, Recover Your Good Heart, may be particularly helpful for those of you who have suffered from generalized accusation disorder. The second post talks about the warning signs that you're getting hit with accusation. Warning sign number one, the conversation centers around compliance, getting you to yield to an alleged standard of thought or behavior of some sort. This could be compliance to church standards of, quote, holiness, or to corporate standards that determine how things have always been done. Or this could be unspoken expectations. One picks up on one's family of origin and carries into the job, the marriage, the parenting. Or you may have adopted a more healthy set of expectations, but your family hasn't. Warning sign number two. The accuser needs to be right at the expense of the relationship. Warning sign number three spiritual arrogance masquerading as love. You might hear, I'm only saying this because I love you and want what's best for you. Hmm, that's not what I'm picking up here. Warning sign number four, fight or flight. You either want to fight or run. You're wounded and want to place as much distance between you and your accuser as possible, but you don't want to, you don't want to let them get away with it either. So you're paralyzed. Should you retaliate? No, yes. And you have this feeling of being overwhelmed, that you're losing your spiritual footing. So what about you? What have you experienced when you've been under accusation? And by the way, I don't think that retaliation is helpful. I'm just saying those are some of the things you might experience in that fight or flight as you experience the sting of accusation. The next post is called conviction is different than accusation. God is not nearly as interested in pointing out our sin as we think he is. Of course he may occasionally have to redirect us or expose something unhealthy. However, there is a difference between accusation and conviction. Accusation assumes the Christian's heart is still misguided and corrupted by bad motives. Accusation is a destructive posture that proceeds from old covenant thinking. You're sinning because you really are that kind of person. That's accusation's assumption. The opposite of accusation is conviction. They're not the same thing. Conviction is exposure without condemnation. Yes, I know you did that, but I am not ashamed of you or disappointed in you. You will always be my delight. God's convicting work is now embedded within a wholly new set of assumptions about us. God assumes there is a new vitality and purity about us because he gives us his own goodness of heart by disabling our corrupt and former nature or heart and replacing what was diseased with the very goodness of Jesus. We now live with hearts fully alive knowing that goodness is now our first nature. Therefore, whenever God convicts, 
he exposes something that prevents us from experiencing the thrill of our new regal goodness. The next post is titled, Why Accusation is So Debilitating for Sensitive Hearts. I have a particular empathy for those who are sensitive and tender-hearted, particularly because they are more vulnerable to accusation, or even perceived accusation, than most. It's probably one of the reasons I wrote Recover Your Good Heart. I also happen to be one of those sensitive types. It's not surprising that I'm a writer and a solo piano artist, callings that require introspection and a willingness to feel deeply. My mentors are books, and my piano is my therapist. In her extraordinary book, Quiet, The Power of Introverts in a World That Can't Stop Talking, Susan Cain lays out the research on people called high reactives, also sometimes called high sensitives, a trait that often corresponds to introversion, but not always. These children and adults react more intensely to changes or perceived threats in their environment than low reactives do. Here are some characteristics of high reactives. They have a sensitive nature. They may be quicker than others to feel sickened by violence and ugliness and likely to have a strong conscience. They will experience a more intense mix of guilt and sorrow than a lower reactive kid. High reactive kids seem to see and feel things more. The reactivity of these kids' nervous systems makes them quickly overwhelmed by childhood adversity but also able to benefit from a nurturing environment more than other children do. High reactive types are more like orchids. They wilt easily, but under the right conditions can grow strong and magnificent." End quote. My own opinion based on reading these findings is that accusation will do more injury to a high reactive or a, or a high sensitive because they're likely to feel a more intense mix of guilt and sorrow, as the author suggests and more likely to internalize perceived accusation, even when it's not their fault. Yet there's a hidden blessing to functioning as a high reactive or a high sensitive. Others will likely benefit from your courageous, yet tender heart. People need your vulnerability and ability to feel deeply with them. You'll also benefit from knowing just how tender and kind-hearted Jesus can be. And the next post is this. And it's a part two to the high reactive and high, re high sensitive post. It's called, Were You a High Reactive or a High Sensitive Introverted Kid? Here's part two on high reactive people and the unique ways in which they suffer as well as can do well in the world. And the excerpts are taken again from Quiet, The Power of Introverts in a World That Can't Stop Talking by Susan Cain. High reactive kids and adults. Although much of the research with high reactives has been done with kids, quote, the footprint of a high or low reactive temperament never disappeared in adulthood when those same persons were tested in adulthood. In other words, you certainly have the free will to change some parts of your personality, but certain aspects will follow you into old age. According to the rubber band theory of personality, we can stretch our personalities to a degree but they'll always snap back to a preferred default position. Here are some more characteristics of high reactive, high sensitive temperaments. These kids, 
are more at risk when there's marital tension, a parent's death, or abuse. They're more likely than their peers to react to these events with depression, anxiety, and shyness. But there's a beneficial side to having high reactive kids, especially if, they are, if they're parented well under a stable environment. These kids will tend to have fewer emotional problems and more social skills than their lower reactive peers, studies show. They can be even more resistant to the common cold when in a nurturing environment. These children, and presumably as they grow into adulthood, are often exceedingly empathetic, caring, and cooperative. They are kind, conscientious, and easily disturbed by cruelty, injustice, and irresponsibility. According to Jay Belsky, instead of seeing these kids as vulnerable to adversity, parents should see them as malleable, for worse, but also for better. The ideal parent for a high reactive child can read your cues and respect your individuality, is firm and warm in placing demands on you without being harsh or hostile, and is not harsh, neglectful, or inconsistent. Creating a new environment for high reactives, and probably everyone else as well. As I read this research, it was obvious to me that high reactives in particular need a grace-filled environment, absent of accusation and shame. Certainly, though, everyone could benefit from gracious relationships, but particularly high reactives or high sensitives. So, let's respond without reactivity. Let's refrain from controlling and accusing. Let's confront, when necessary, with information, not condemnation. And let's celebrate the new heart in the other person before jumping in. What about you? What did you experience as a high reactive kid? Were you one of those high reactive, high sensitives? Did that carry over into adulthood? Has there been any surprising benefits to you? And the last post is called Introverts and the Church, the Pain of Performance and Perceptions. What does it feel like to be an introvert in a high-pressure, driven church environment? Here are a few stories from introverts. Dan says, As an introvert in ministry leadership at two different churches, I often perceived I didn't measure up because I would feel empty, tired, and in need of alone time following ministry events. I thought there was something wrong with me because I wanted to barricade myself in my office after preaching on a Sunday morning or leading an evening with students as a youth pastor. Understanding the gift of introversion has been a blessing. L.H. says, I think high reactive introverts may be in high numbers among the pioneers of what is often termed emergent church. Things that drive high reactive or high sensitive introverts crazy are the loud music, the showiness, the competition, the mixed messages, the performance-based environment, the hypocrisy, the frenetic busyness. Being a highly sensitive Christian lent itself to being intensely uncomfortable and discontent at traditional churches nearly all the time. And Amy says, Unfortunately, for years, all I got was the message that I wasn't good enough. 
The church institutions I was involved in were all well propped up by natural achievers who thrived on always doing more. I often encountered teachings and articles written by blazing extroverts that said, do more, work harder, run faster, keep up the good walk for Jesus. Remember, he's keeping your scorecard and you wanted to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. You don't want to be one of those that hears, depart from me, I never knew you. This type of religious environment cuts especially deep with introverts, as you can tell from what these folks have said. We tend to be more sensitive by nature and more deeply internalize the arrows hurled at us by the enemy, who unfortunately finds his job all too easy to do through the hands of often well-meaning religious leaders. We also find it more difficult to find a place to belong in the midst of a frenetic activity and performance of today's average church institutions. Well, I hope those posts were helpful. Um, if you want to find out what it means to have and to live from a good and noble heart instead of a pressured Christianity, a life in which your heart is now your ally rather than your enemy, you can go to my website, thegoodandnobleheart.com, to see about my book or other resources.